Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Hi! What up? (laughs) Now you don't have to listen to me go pew, 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 pew anymore. It's funny because when you listen to other podcasts, they're like, oh, we're going to do the Allen. I do that to my kids sometimes when I tease them. I'm like, hey, maybe you should have practiced last night. That was not very good. And they're like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry. That was rude. What I meant to say was you should have practiced last night. That was not very good. And the kids like die every time because they're middle schoolers and they like dad humor from time to time. Right. Exactly. How's it going? Welcome back. Uh, it's going well. I'm uh, replenished and uh, just spent like hours in a pool today. So nice. Um, yeah. Um, nice. For welcoming me back. How are you, Alan? Good. We started teaching this week, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not full. I'm like halfway. But like I said last night um, on Orange and Black, it's. It's nice to kind of step away and talk about soccer, even though tonight's probably not going to be super happy. It's nice to kind of take a mental break and focus on something else for a minute. Um, and talk. there are some positive things that have happened this week in the USL, for example. Um, a yeah. bunch of big news. Um, they announced an eight-time increase in viewership. Um, people might poo-poo that because people aren't at the matches. Uh, but I think MLS was relatively level. Uh, So USL is gaining some popularity. I think it's because, you know, for the most part on the weekends, it's really the only thing going, Um, you know, NWSL is over. Congratulations to them. Uh, Big news from there with players leaving for Europe, which is cool. Um, And you have MLS, the MLS cup is over. um, And Portland, one of Portland teams is apparently good. The other one, not so much. Um, they also announced uh, Sirius XM Radio is going to have a USL game of the week, and they will also be streaming in the Caribbean on Flow Sports. So USL is becoming uh, bigger and bigger, increasing audience, which is always great. Um, I don't know if you listen to satellite radio. Um, I don't, but uh, I know that there's uh, some U.S. soccer stuff that happens on XM Radio and getting at least a game of a week on that radio station is going to bring some more, I want to say eyes because it's radio, so ears uh, to the game. Um, yeah. yeah, I used always to big. to satellite radio. I don't I don't subscribe to that anymore because I got my Spotify in my car, and plus I'm not really in my car that much because, you know, Rona, you know? So, right, right. I my commute went... I don't have Rona though. Like, let's make clear, I'm not. I don't have Rona. <laughs> yeah, our my commute went from an hour and such to like a walk, so I yeah. appreciate it. It means I get to listen to less things, uh, yeah. but um, it also means I'm not sitting in my car for two hours plus. Yeah. Um. So some not so great news. Um. There's some drama out of St. Louis. Um. This is something to be kind of a word of caution. Some teams like Sacramento look like they're bringing their USL team up. But right now it looks like St. Louis is um, going to be folding their USL team. Uh, That's some of the rumors. Um, And it might happen as soon as this year. 
Uh, this might be the last season for uh, St. Louis um, as they transition to MLS. I'm hoping they don't. St. Louis is um, kind of a hotbed of soccer. Uh, their youth academy there is phenomenal. Um, and I would hope that the ownership uh, of the MLS team uh, takes advantage of the things that that soccer team has built, not only on the pitch, but also off the pitch with the St. Louisans um, and the uh, the crowd that the St. Louisans bring. It's one of the uh, better teams in the USL, one of the you know traditional success stories. They did really well in the U.S. Open Cup last year, um, and so our hope our Good vibes are being sent to um, the city of St. Louis and their supporters uh, and Phil Grooms. Yeah, that would be really tough. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how, like, if we if we were in the same position, if it was a different ownership group and for some reason we got an MLS team, I don't know how I'd feel. I'd probably be pretty hurt. So hopefully they do that. Um, we'll see. And then uh, Irvin Para on his Twitter feed announced um, a little while ago, a couple days ago, um, that he's getting prepared for his road to recovery. Hashtag five weeks out. New year, new knee. Um, we we saw him in a brace. Um, we He was getting um, kind of subbed on late in matches, um, given about, you know, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So it, we knew things weren't right with him. Um, that was one of those things is do you take care of it now and hopefully come back and push to the end when you have, you know, your last games against Orange County, Phoenix, Phoenix, um, or do you, uh, you wait and hopefully it gets better. It seemed like maybe he was, it was a call that, Hey, it's not going to get better. You need some type of surgery or something. So, uh, we wish Irvin Para all of the best, uh, in his recovery and uh, yesterday was his birthday, uh, so happy birthday as well. Uh, we wish him the best, and hopefully he comes back healthy, not just for the loyal, but for him in general. Um, he's right. been kind of a mainstay of USL, and it would be good to for see real. him out there. For real. Best wishes, Irvin. Raul Para. Mm-hmm. <laughs> name. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it sucks because he came in and made that, that goal uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, really – Thought that it was the turning point for us, loyal, to uh, score more goals, but that's another yeah, that <laughs> that felt very positive, and then um, we had some game cancellations and a nil-nil against Sacramento, which you know, in a normal season's fine, uh, but we're gonna talk. Uh, we have a guest later. We're gonna he's in Group A, and he might give us some insights until how Sacramento's doing. Um, but let's talk about the first match on Wednesday, uh, the match against Orange County Soccer Club. Um, initial thoughts, Marissa? Uh, I was really, really encouraged with everything that they were doing. I felt they were just on the brink of scoring goals. Um, I believe I heard something on the, on the sideline from Landon about um, when is it going to be our turn or like, when are we going to get our break? Um, because I felt like we were controlling the middle. Uh, it was definitely a better match than the previous two ones, uh, that we had been experiencing and, um, we couldn't break through, couldn't break through. 
um, it was really, really, really disappointing in my, it was, it was probably like the worst match that I've like been at because there was so much encouragement. Like I had seen the progression and the changes over the last couple of matches. And then, yeah. How about you? What did you think? Um, I thought for about 60 minutes of the match, San Diego looked like the much better team. Uh, going into this match, I thought Orange County defensively would kind of shut some stuff down um, and would uh, attack really successfully. Um, but uh, Stoneman really shut Shauna Coley down for a lot of that match. They tried these over the top, uh, and he was very aggressive in playing the ball first, cutting off those aerial passes, those uh, over-the-top direct passes that gave Phoenix uh, a little bit of trouble when the Orange County played them. So I was really encouraged by the way they were playing. They were attacking. Um, things were very positive. Uh, Orange County had that one good look early. Uh, Seth Kasipley, uh hits the post, and you kind of gasp a little bit, and then it felt like San Diego was the better team. Uh, and then all of a sudden, kind of a defensive mishap, a header goes the wrong way and sends you know Shauna Coley in. Uh, and when Shauna Coley gets in, he takes advantage of those more often than not. He's a, a good number nine. Um, and so he puts them up one nil and you're like, hey, we're, we've been in this. We can fight right. back. We've done it right. before. Get a point here against Orange County. We'll take it. We'll, you know, we deserve something out of this match. Although I don't like that. Like, we deserve something. It's like, we I mean, you didn't win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, very similar to an, uh, the goal against Phoenix is this kind of ball gets bounced around. It doesn't really get cleared very well. Um, and yeah. Orange County player makes a really good just drop back, nice, easy touch to Aiden Quinn. Um, and yeah. when Aiden Quinn has that space with his left foot, um, he doesn't miss very often. Yeah, Brew. You tell him. Oh, that one's Jasper. I don't know why he's so upset. Oh, I, I miss the the bark. I guess I I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but you tell him. Um, yeah, no, that was I could not knock him for that. I didn't really knock no loyal for that at all. Um, with um, Kempen out and not in goal, um, I don't know if that had anything to do with the outcome of the game or the outcome of the last two games. Um, it shouldn't have anything to do with it, but uh, you know, that, that goal from Quinn was just, just like, like me and uh, Tony would looked at each other like, okay, like, we can't yeah. prevent anything like that. Right. So. Um, yeah. And, and with Quinn, like we had him on the show last week. Um, there's a huge San Diego connection. Like his dad coaches at USD. That was his first time playing at USD in a competitive match. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have this kind of hometown boy, mm -hmm. like banging a goal in. It's like you, you, you can't. I mean, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, like it's a good goal. Like how do you, yeah. as a fan of the game, like how do you not appreciate that? You know, it's right. Sexy. You know, as a biased person, like <laughs> unbiased at like as a member of the media, yeah, no, I can't, I can't knock that at all. Um, but it was, 
you know, I, at that point, I didn't feel like we were out of the match just because of right. the way we were playing at the time. Like, he got a good chance. He got a goal and cool. But it, it, we didn't look like we were out of the game at all in that time. Um, and then yeah, it was <laughs> it was for sure like a frustrating match uh, mm-hmm. because when you see a team that has been struggling play so well for such a long period of the game, especially yeah. against a team like Orange County, like basically the whole like from about like 12 minutes on to in that first half, it's all San Diego. Right. And and just that like brief minute like that. Yeah. It makes me feel it still makes me feel a little bit upset. Who's your man of the match from this from this match? Oh uh, dang, that was so long ago. <laughs> hmm. Uh you know, I'm gonna give it to Colin Martin because I gave him shit like for the la- the first couple of matches at home and yeah. I really like how he played and um, he's really stepped it up. So I know, you know, we didn't win the match, but I thought he did really well um, in that. And I'm sure he was uh, pretty proud of himself for just being more involved in the in the match and potential um, goals that we didn't score. And I think uh, I was looking at the, the box score, like, in the middle of the match, and we had, I forgot, at, at halftime we had, like, 10 or 11 shots. On that match, I don't remember the numbers because like last week, but um, yeah, I was just like, "What? Like this is like the most that we've had all season." Yeah, ten shots, three on yeah. target. We finish our second half. We had twelve shots, four on target. The difference was first half, Orange County has four shots, zero on target. Second half, they had ten shots and five on target. Yeah, um, yeah. That's- so yeah, it was. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I mean, the best player on the pitch for either team is Frederick Dew. I mean, without Frederick Dew, it's a much different game. He was great. Um, he he is their um, number one, um, and their backup is not bad either. Uh, but I like overall, like you have to tip your hat to a keeper who was on his game. Um, I agree. Colin Martin had an awesome, awesome match. Like mm-hmm. I sent him a message right afterwards. Was like, man, you have come so far over the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, man, I just wanted that goal. And I was like, it's coming. We believe in you. Just keep working. Um, I'm going to also, uh, I shouted him out earlier, but Grant Stoneman, I thought, had a very good game um, for a large portion of that game. Uh, so I agree. Colin Martin, Grant Stoneman, flip a coin. I would probably give it to Colin Martin, too. Um, yeah. On Emra, right. of course, he's just doing well. I love, I love the way he plays. I think he's got a... Good place on our squad. So um. let's talk. Let's talk Saturday. We <laughs> go to Phoenix. Yes. And um, so I I picked a one one draw, but that was like my 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 fandom speaking. Um, I knew it was going to be. A t- I mean, it's going to be a tough match. Any anytime you go into Phoenix, it's going to be tough. It's hot. Mm-hmm. It's they play better at home for sure. Um, and they play really well at home. Um, what were your reactions to some of that, the Phoenix play? Um, yeah, Junior Flemings. Like, <laughs> I'm not even highlighting anything on Loyal, just 
not that they were like super bad, but it's like the same stuff that I've been seeing, like control, control, control. But then like they can't finish in the end, you know, yeah. and it's it's incredibly frustrating. I'm sure for them as well as fans and everyone involved. But Gina Fleming's just so good, you know. Like I can't. <laughs> I mean, I can't really pinpoint anything like that was like standout compared to all the other matches, the last couple of matches with loyal because right. I feel like they were doing what they needed to do. It's just, they're not able to convert in the final third, you know? So yeah, they, they came out with a much more defensive uh, setup. Um, last the against orange County was definitely a three, four, three Colin Martin, you know, was playing up top and high. This one was like, Colin and Toomey and even Francis was like way back. They've commented commented on it. It's like you have every guy in your third behind the ball. And that's good for defense. Like it's cool that we, you know, we held Phoenix to 13 shots. Um, and we got 22. Like there were still yeah. some chances, like that Carlos Alvarez header, like Zach Lubin just yeah. made a great save. And this was just an example of a better team beating you. Um I don't think anyone expected San Diego to go out there and go toe to toe with Phoenix this year. Um, but I think the way we did it, like the team still fought and they tried hard and they played tough. Um, yeah. But junior Flemings is playing out of his freaking mind right now. Um, I looked it up today. Uh, since the restart, he has seven goal, no, eight goals in seven matches. He's only not scored in one. And that was the one nil defeat to orange County. He scored a hat trick against New Mexico. Like every goal he scored, uh, it seems like some worldy. Like, I mean, that's just a, a great strike. You gave right. him a little bit too much space and he took advantage of it. Yeah. Um, it was he, really nice. So sweet. I was like, yes. you feel bad for Grant Stoneman. Like, I think he, it makes him look worse on when Kevin turns him. I think he just overplays a little bit. It makes it look worse. Mm -hmm. um, Emmer Clementa kind of had a tough match. Um, I just think it was, not a great showing for yeah. loyal. Hmm. Do you think and it the, was a quick turnaround or um, the heat? Maybe um, it's the fact that this your number nine that you thought you would have is out. Um, you know, you look at some of these teams, even like a, a team as great as Indy 11 is like, they have Tyler Pasher who can just put a game on his shoulder or team on his shoulders. is like, I'm going to win this game myself. And we don't have a player like that yet. I mean, there might be someone there. Like, I thought Toomey had a pretty decent game. Um, but I, I don't think there's anyone like that on our team quite yet. And maybe one can develop. But there isn't one right now who can just be like, I'm going to go and I'm going to out-hustle somebody and I'm going to put a shot on frame and I'm going to beat the keeper. Um, so, I, I mean, I know that they're doing all, a lot of these plays, like with um, Jack and Charlie out on the, on the right mm -hmm. side. And then they, you know, cross it into the middle, but it's like, it's going to like Elijah Martin and like Elijah's up against like these tall defenders that to me is like, what? Like we need like a Ben Spencer or like a Joe Greenspan up there in the front because it's yeah. like, you're not going to like stack up to these defenders that are like bigger than, you know, Elijah's, faster maybe than them but like is he does he have the the hops to get in you know like you keep doing the cross like the you know the 
you know, the one that's like going to head them headed in. Right. But like, I just don't see why that is like a huge thing that they're doing. Right. Like right. crossing it in into the middle and it's like, but you don't have someone like that. who just like a Giroux, right? Like Olivier Giroux, just like, okay, I'm going to put it in. Right. He's like tall like that. I don't know. Yeah, when, too. when the guy, when the tallest guy in your attacking your, your top your four, front three is five eleven, that's Colin Martin. Yeah. Like you're you're giving up a lot of height um, yeah. to you know a, a Corey Whelan and AJ Cochran. You know you're giving up tons of height, so you have to be shifty. You can't just put crosses in like you would with an Irvin Para or a Ben Spencer or a target man. We don't really have a target man, um, and the team is built to have that target man. I think they like built the team to do that. But, um, yeah, Francis and Toomey and, you know, Elijah and Jack, like a lot of those guys, I, I like the way they play. Uh, I like their style of footy, if you will. But this team definitely needs that target man, that guy up top. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like with Irvin out, it's going to fall on Ben Spencer. And from what I've seen from Ben Spencer, like he hasn't shown enough. And maybe that's him coming in late. And maybe we need to, hey, uh, give him a couple more weeks for him to acclimate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joe Greenspan on a set piece. Like, we don't have that towering guy on a set piece, and our set pieces are suffering. Like, we got so many corner kicks. We have 12 corner kicks against or, uh, against Phoenix. 12. Like, that's pretty good. That means we're, like, putting the ball in places for them to put it out so we can have a chance on a corner kick. Mm-hmm. Um and we just don't have the personnel right now to really do that job. And that's why our set pieces aren't, aren't happening. That's why you see some of these like short corners or right. um, yeah, 10 corner kicks against Orange County, 12 corner kicks against Phoenix and no goals. So I, I just think it's a, it's a personnel issue. And I don't know if we have the way to solve that without people getting healthy and coming back yeah uh, the the message stays the same more goals please <laughs> and it's like that's what was so promising about orange county is like you can see that things were happening and we we're moving in a positive direction and not yeah. that phoenix was necessarily bad like it wasn't great but yeah. i mean we're not giving like two goals is a lot for us like Oof. isn't we that played eight game, right? two goals we played eight a lot i'm like it shouldn't be it's, and, it, and it's something to celebrate. Like defensively, we're okay, mm-hmm. um, but offensively, there's just not a lot there right now. Yeah. And like I said, I think Ben Spencer needs to step it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, it's I don't think it's for lack of trying. Um, hopefully, Joe gets right, um, and he's in on some of those set pieces. Um, hopefully, Irv, Irvin Para comes back and five weeks is forever right now. Like yeah. five weeks is like in the USL time right now is like 42 games. It's crazy. Um, like we played eight and we play, we're going to play a, a bunch coming up. Yeah. So who's your man of the match in this Phoenix match? Um, can I not say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say junior Flemings. Cause uh, yeah. Like, I watch. I mean, full disclosure. I watched like seventy minutes of the match just because I was just like, nah. You know, like it's. Yeah. I can't. Once I scored that second goal, I was like, Shh, 
what am I doing here? Like, um, I don't have a man in the match uh, for the loyal. Fleming's is just good. Real good. How about you? Um, um, I thought Toomey played all right. Um, I thought he did the most with what he had, but it's like you have him or you have Francis and they're like trying to counterattack and then they turn and it's like, all right, there's five Phoenix players and just me. That's not going to help because everyone's playing so far back. Um, I do want to um, shout out Nazira, Nazira getting on the pitch. Uh, the pride of Mauritius um, is getting, got on the pitch for the first time. Um, he had a pretty, hard foul that maybe uh, looked worse than it was. I think Kev, uh, Devin Kerr made it a little sound a little bit worse. He's like, he scissored him and he really didn't, didn't swing that back leg through. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, his development. Um, he got, what was that? 12 minutes plus stoppage. Uh, so it's good to see him out there. So that's a positive. Um, I know Colin had a really hard foul um, that I thought was worse than, it was. That's not him as a player. Um, but I think Toomey, probably the most consistent of the night. Uh, he stayed on for the whole match and um, and did what he could. I think that was kind of what it was. It was you just played a better team and, and they beat you. Um, and I know that's not great, but... Are we giving our... Because, I mean, you're like, you've, you haven't been a San Diego fan like for ever. Like, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I mean, full disclosure, right? Like, you've lived elsewhere. But, mm-hmm. like, are we giving them, like, I feel like I'm just, like, satisfied with, like, what they're doing. And, like, I want more. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Whatever. No, for, for sure. Fair weather fans. Like, I feel like <laughs> we're being I mean, what our podcast is about. It's like, okay, whatever. We're used to this. Right? Um, I, I think there's a little bit of element of... They like an expansion team, like even New Mexico last year, like didn't beat Phoenix. They drew them all the time, but they couldn't couldn't find a way past them, mm-hmm. uh, except for I think in the Open Cup. Um, I've said this quite a few times. I think San Diego was built to be a play-in team in a regular USL West season, um, and I still think that they're probably on that bubble of like a top ten team in the West. Um, it's just the way that the season set up, like you have to compete with Phoenix and Orange County if you want to make the playoffs. And, um, to be fair, I don't think there's very many teams. If you swapped us with a team in the West, um, would have a better time against them. Mm -hmm. Um, there is like, it's like a, we're playing like two sides here, right? Like the fan in us is sad that we lost and upset. And it's like, we should have been better. But then the flip side, it's like, we're starting to figure out where San Diego needs to improve for next season or like improve this season. As far as sometimes it's just, you're, you don't have enough personnel. And when you're an expansion side team, you sign as many players as you can, but you might be missing a piece or two. Like orange County has been good for a while. Phoenix has been good for a while, like several seasons in a row. So it's like orange County won the West two years ago at regular season. Phoenix won the West last year. Like these aren't like teams that are like, ah, oh, they were all right. And they're just having, no, they're like, they were good. And they just, they made themselves better. Orange County was top five in the West. They made themselves better. Mm-hmm. So we have to be, we have to put ourselves in the right mental state of 
Yeah. It's okay to be mad that things aren't working and it's okay to be critical. But yeah. on the flip side, like is where is San Diego really supposed to be? Like top 10 in the West? Like I would argue that they're in that conversation. Yeah. And I mean, you got Reno, Sacramento. We don't have a fan fan base to hype it up. Like, like how do you get hyped as a player? Like I'm putting myself as a loyal player. Uh, there's no atmosphere. There's no, like as much as we can tweet all day long and get us, get them on our po- podcast. Like, right. They don't feel that passion. Well, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they do. I don't know. But like, it just doesn't feel like that yet. And that's because of COVID. Thanks, COVID. Hey, and like, like I said, I think we have to be critical. Yeah. But we also have to be realistic. Like we yeah. have, we can, we can be like, I'm not super optimistic all the time, but there are definite things that we can be like, there are great players on our team. There are players who are doing their job but we're just missing a few pieces. And when you play against a team that's as stacked as Phoenix or that is as balanced as Orange County, it's going to be, you're going to need a perfect game to beat them. You're going to need everything to go right to beat them. You're going to need some, most things to go right to get a draw. But unfortunately, you know, not every, not everything went right. We missed some opportunities in both matches. Uh, We went up against two really good keepers and, um, you know, sometimes a keeper can steal a game or sometimes a keeper can steal a couple, you know, keep you a clean sheet or save a couple that should be a goal. And now you have to work even harder. Um, and unfortunately Phoenix and Bo- Orange County took advantage of those mistakes because there were a few of them in both matches and Orange County put them away. It would have, you know, they had three opportunities pretty much and they buried two of them. Um, so I'm hopeful on one side, but I'm also like a little bit like when I'm watching it, I'm like, ah, and then the next day I'm like, ah, and then today yeah. I'm like, eh, all right, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Fair and, weather. True right? and true. Fair weather. Yes. And speaking of moving on. Yes. <laughs> our, our guest has been like, okay, guys, come on. <laughs> He's heard all of our terrible takes. Um, <laughs> so we'd like to welcome on, uh, Bradley Polanski from 1868 Weekly. Um, he is a friend of friend from BGN. How you doing? Good. And I do want to go ahead and say that uh, your takes, you know, are very on par with what you guys brand yourself as. You get very fair <laughs> weather, um, but also I think very realistic. Uh, you guys kind of look and say, "Well, we don't expect to beat." Orange County or Phoenix. And honestly, as a Reno fan, I look at Phoenix and I say, there's no way Reno even puts up two goals against them. And you know, for sure they're putting up at least two against you. Um, It's kind of weird looking at the West coast right now and how it's all fragmented out. And you guys are in a very tough group with two kind of freebies uh, with both LA two and uh, Las Vegas. And you're looking at that and it's kind of, oh, wait, we still have multiple games against Orange County and Phoenix. And those are the two teams that every other West Coast team is looking at, and they want nothing to do with it. I'm glad I'm not in your guys' group playing against both OC and Phoenix because those two teams give me the heebie-jeebies. 
Um, so yeah, I think it is very on brand with you guys and you guys are being realistic. You guys are good fans. And honestly, um, you know, your takes are definitely realistic and something that I agree with, you know, as an outsider looking in. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> Reno, Reno has a very uh, near and dear place to our heart uh, in San Diego because it's the only game where we've scored more than two goals ever. Um, and we build that as an early test in the preseason to say, where are we? What is it going to look like? Uh, it was very positive for us. Um, but I think Reno was like, hey, let's see who we have and let's work some stuff out. So since the last time we've run into Reno, um, what's been happening uh, with Reno and uh, with the season so far? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, honestly, when you guys came up here, I think we still fielded a very competitive team, and you guys definitely took the better of us in that matchup. Um, although, given that was a very san jose influence roster uh for those of you guys who are listeners of fairweather pod who don't really know much about reno 1868 uh we're an independently owned team that has a kind of minor league uh affiliation with san jose earthquakes the mls team and so as a result over the past couple of years we've gotten players from san jose uh back and forth uh most notably players like chris Weehan um tommy thompson and the list goes on and on and i can name a bunch of people but i'm blanking right now um but we've had a kind of been a developmental team for a lot of san jose players and oftentimes they'll send a player down to us last minute and say hey give him 45 minutes at least and we have to figure out what to do with that uh, that said, the coronavirus and the MLS bubble and the USL not allowing players to go back and forth between parent teams yeah, and uh, lower teams um, has kind of created a very positive situation for Reno, where in the past we've had a lot of players on our team who don't get first-team minutes because of that San Jose synergy, all of a sudden getting first-team minutes, and a lot of them, players like Sergio Rivas, uh, Tucker Bone, who's brand new to the team this year from uh, Colorado, Thomas Janjigian's getting a lot more minutes than uh, he did in previous seasons. Um, more players like Jared Timmer, who's a rookie on the defensive end for Reno, are getting a lot of minutes. Uh, these are all players that San Jose would probably send someone up to take their place. Um, so with that said... Reno looks completely different from not completely, but very different from when you guys originally came back up here in what was this March, February? This has been a weird season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I I've seen both like the benefit and the drawback of that MLS relationship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not to bring up bad memories, but the game in OC on that Wednesday afternoon, like that was clearly like something wasn't clicking. Um, is there a, is there a downside of not getting some of those San Jose guys or is it mo like, obviously on the, it seems like on the, the balance, it's a more positive thing, but is there something that maybe Reno is missing out on by that MLS connection? If you asked me back in May, when we were kind of figuring out May and June, where the season would be, um, I would have instantly pointed at missing either JT Marcinkowski or Matt Bersano, the two goalies that uh, San Jose would frequently send down here to Reno or up here to Reno. Um, 
With that said, though, uh, the team kind of went out and signed their own talent that they needed uh, with signing Ben Bowery uh, on a loan from uh, New Mexico United, uh, the player behind Cody Mizell as their goalie. So he's come up here and he's made spectacular saves. So in all honesty, yeah, it kind of sucks not seeing a lot of players, you know, getting minutes. Um, San Jose was trying something out brand new this season uh, in conversation with the general manager and Ian Russell and kind of the distaste of having players only up here for what, three days a week coming up Friday, leaving Sunday after the game. Uh, And instead they were figuring out a system to send players up here for three month loans something that would be most of the season where the players would be up here in Reno and then coronavirus hit and that plan was scrapped. Um, kind of sucks having that scrapped because I would have loved to see, and I think every Reno fan would have loved to see what a pure partnership with players staying up here in Reno would have looked like. And if they do still want to do something like that, seeing that next season would be amazing too. Um, you know, given that the teams still do continue being partners with a team going down in Walnut Creek in the USL, uh, and San Jose might look to rebrand over there. Yeah, Cause I know this is a conversation early in San Diego about does San Diego affiliate with the MLS team? And someone's like, no, you want to be fully independent, you know, look at what orange County or Phoenix are doing, but then you look at some teams that have been able to really build some like, relationships like a uh, real uh, monarchs or a you know baby bulls even that has like a more positive outlook and makes it more competitive um so if you were designing reno right now would you would you cancel that san jose membership uh, that san jose connection or would you say it's been more over the course of reno's existence it's been like hey san diego might want to look at like getting some type of affiliation with an MLS team over the entire course of our relationship with San Jose. Um, I can look at both good things and bad things, you know, sending up players at the last minute is definitely bad for morale for the team. But the number one thing, the number one benefit, you know, players aside that San Jose does for Reno is in terms of spending, they spend a good amount of money Uh, The coach, Ian Russell, manager for Reno 1868, is paid for almost entirely, I believe, by San Jose. And Ian Russell is probably the number one reason for the success of 1868 FC. And it's without a doubt in my mind that, you know, if Ian Russell wasn't up here to begin Reno 1868's tenure, this team wouldn't be as successful. So I would definitely restart off our partnership with San Jose just for Ian Russell. I think a hundred percent he is the person that's made the deal worth it. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's it. I think the MLS USL franchise thing usually gets kind of a bad name and kind of poo pooed for the most part, because you see like a Timbers two, or you see like a Tacoma and you see like a bunch of kids being run out there and it's not really competitive. It's not fun. So I just wanted to highlight, there are some teams out there who are really having and, and developing some of these good relationships. Um, so it's not all like, and it's not just two teams either. Like Reno isn't a two team. Um, so there's like this middle ground that uh, we need to, as USL fans know and explore and appreciate 
um, that there are there are teams out there who are really trying to um, work uh, through that process and try and benefit both sides. Um, so J- Jason is talking smack in the comment section. Um, yeah, I'm I'm working on it. I'm, I got some stuff back here, but it's you know early season still. So I gotta you know he's got multiple years on me. I just like the team. I have room and time to grow. Um, so you you mentioned a lot of players that uh, were able to get some minutes this year. Uh, when we're taking a look at this match on uh, on Saturday, um, what kind of who are we looking out for as far as kind of that both offensive player, a defensive player, maybe to keep an eye on um, as we're watching this match? All right, so um, I'm going to go ahead and do kind of an unorthodox thing. I'm going to give you an offensive player to look out for and a defensive player that I think is susceptible um, on the Reno defense. And I know that that's kind of a weird thing to do, but, you know, I'm on the Fairweather Fan Podcast, and I think it's nice to give you guys a little bit of insight as to, you know, (laughs) and I'm sure Landon Donovan's already done his homework, and he knows where he wants to attack on the pitch. I'm not really giving away trade secrets here. Um, But for offense, I'm going to name two. Um, Corey Herzog's the first. He's the second most prolific scorer for Reno 1868. He's in his second season, and he has, I think it's, 21 or 22 goals now he scored a brace against uh portland two in the first half you know both some pretty good goals um but he's not going to create his own chances uh cory herzog is what we call one touch cory up here in reno and as a result i think all 22 of his goals for reno 1868 has come off a penalty kick off his head or off his foot one time i don't think he's taken the ball and touched it more than once and still scored um, which is kind of a cool little thing. We got a one-touch Corea hashtag up here for Reno. Um, with that said, you need to have players to distribute him the ball then. And what other player in Reno could I point out than the guy from uh, Canada last season? I don't remember what team he was specific. I think it was Ottawa Fury before they fo- uh, folded. But uh, Christiana Francois, Cheetah, as we call him up here. Cheetah is the best at distributing the ball on the team, if not the league. And he's one of those players just to look out for. He's going to figure out how your defense is going to want to stop you or stop, you know, him. And he's going to do something different and he's going to get the ball to one of those players who's going to score. And if you do start sleeping on him and thinking he's going to pass it, he's going to shoot a curling shot from outside the box and it's going to land in the top corner every time. Um, So your goalie needs to be aware for that. Um, so that's the Reno offense. You know, those two players are the ones to look out for. You have players like Benji Kukanovich, who I believe is injured. He's got subbed out in the 10th minute of the uh, game against Portland Timbers too. Um, so he might be swapped over with uh, Foster Langsdorf, who has come in and kind of, you know, made some pretty good highlight moments for himself when he's been here. Um, as for the defense, though, um, the player that, uh, San Diego should look out for is Thomas Jinjigian, Um in terms of attacking. Uh, Jiggy is the one player on Reno who has given up penalty kicks, uh, both against Sacramento this season. Um, he's very susceptible to ball watching or taking the man down instead of going after the ball. Um, and as a result, you know, that's the player to attack. Uh, him and Timmer, Jared Timmer in the mid, in uh, the center back, 
uh, he's going to be a rookie still. So he's still very, what's the word I'm looking for? Fresh meat in the league uh, at the professional level. So, you know, if you get the ball back into those, into the box area, uh, you can be very dangerous against Reno. With that said, uh, Reno's been playing a lot of recently uh, um, two players extra uh, near the top of the box. That's usually been Kevin Partida and Sergio Rivas. Uh, and those players have made life so much easier for uh, Thomas Jinjigi and Jared Timmer. So, you know, it's not quite a perfect uh, uh, professional level. So, you know, if you get the ball side, that's a replay. Um, it's not quite a perfect mix. But it's definitely, it's definitely been helpful. And Reno does play the uh, man marking system that uh, Matias Almeida uses in San Jose, and uh, to various success and failure in the matter. But honestly, you know, I I hope that answers your question. I don't know what else to say. I kind of started droning. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that man marking system because that's not something that. Um a lot of soccer fans are used to seeing on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you got your like, Oh, I know what zonal marking is. You know, I know what, you know, a four, four, two, three, one, a four, three, three. I know how they're set up, but when people start man marking, you start looking for those formations and you're like, wait, how, wait, that guy used to, and that how, wait. Mm-hmm. So uh, this will be an interesting matchup. I think um, for, for loyal, um, they did a pretty good job against Orange County about moving the ball, one touch, two touch stuff. Uh, that's what we talked about Colin Martin playing really well, uh, being able to distribute the ball in some tight spaces, um, and that might be an advantage that they take adv- or something that they take advantage of um, with that man marking system. Um, if you can, you know, move the ball around and lose a couple guys, um, now there's not this like set like two blocks of four, if you will, um, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that on the pitch. I don't know if I've seen that in a game that I was like actually like really paying attention to. I've seen it like on those like Twitter like tactical breakdown stuff, and it looks really fun to watch. Uh, very interesting to watch, I should say. Uh, maybe not fun. I'm a nerd, so that's fun for me. Um, <laughs> what are the um, what are the benefits and what are the drawbacks? Like, what are we looking for with that that type of man marking system? So the benefit of man marking system is it really relies on your players being better than the opposing players. Uh, and with Reno, I feel like Reno has a very good base. They've signed a lot of good players. They've kept their core players from last season. You're not going to be more knowledgeable about this system than they are. They've been working for it with it for the past year and a half, and they know what they're doing. Um, you know. It's not, it's second nature. It's not second nature to them, but they've been working with it. They trust the system. They trust Ian, uh, and they know how to make it work. So you have to really develop something. You have to be better than the player that you're up against, or you have to have some weird pick and roll system. Think like basketball. It's basically a man-on-man defense, like in basketball, instead of a zone, which most teams uh, incorporate in the league. So you have to be better individually in order to beat a man-marking system like this. Uh, you also have to be faster. You know, I get it that that's also included in better, but you have to be faster than your opponent because you, there's going to be a lot of open space on that pitch if you guys can find a way to create it. So if you're not faster and you're not able to beat down that that individual matchup that you're in, you're not going to score against a man-marking system. 
Uh, it's just that plain and simple. Um, and I think Reno is still keeping a lot of their fast players on the pitch. Uh, lost a couple role. Mendiolo is probably one of the fastest guys I've seen in the league, but we got Cheetah. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy with uh, how the programs look this year. Uh, you know, only allowing Sacramento to score penalty kicks on you is a big deal. Uh, they're a good team. And yeah, it sucks that you can't score against Sacramento either, but allowing penalty kicks to lose does suck. Thank you for that dig. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Um, With that said, and all of the information and uh, all of predictions in terms of man marking and all that, what is your score prediction for this Saturday? Well, I got to be the homer here uh, for 68. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot closer than than any of us are going to think. I think this is going to be a two to one victory for Reno. I don't know if you guys predict uh, uh, player scores. Come on, I have to. No, but I'm, like two one is my thing. Two one. <laughs> it's a very common score line. Hold on. It's, I, mean, I, I was going to look up uh, the results from today. I'm sure there's at least one. Um, but I think Reno is. Coming in the more experienced team, I know you guys have had a couple of tough losses against some really good opponents. And although Reno isn't at the same caliber as, I guess, uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, I like to think Reno as competitive against teams like Orange County. Uh, very close, if not, you know, a little bit better or worse than Orange County given on the day. Uh, you know, Reno is probably a top five team, but not a top one or two team in the West. And as a result, you know, that middle three through five or six is very cluttered. Reno is one of those teams for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys were talking about how you guys think you're a top 10 team, you know, and I think a top five team is better than a top 10 team. And um, definitely looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing Emmer Clemente again. He's a good guy. And I'm glad that you guys are taking care of him down there. Yeah. Marissa, what do you got? Okay, two one. Loyal, because I'm a homer. I have to. Fair. I'm, Fair. I am so encouraged by what the progression of what they've been doing. Like I said before, I'm just hopeful that we have more goals, please. More goals, please. <laughs> How about you, Alan? So. I'm going to go Homer, but also like San Diego pessimist and say San Diego isn't going to score another goal again. And it's going to be a nil, nil draw. Um, And because I can't pick, okay. I can't pick San Diego to lose. And until they score a goal, like, yeah, it's been three matches, um, tons of shots. So I'm going to go with a nil, nil draw and no one scores because that's what nil, nil means. Yeah. And then my hope is that the uh, the San Diego Loyal boys prove me wrong and put some, some put some goals in. Uh, and this is actually a very entertaining match. Like I'm really like I saw this on the schedule and I was like, this is going to be I think a competitive match. I think it's uh, an actually probably better than OC and Phoenix. Like an actually good measuring stick for where San Diego really is. Because like who have they played? They played. Teams that they probably should have beat, and mm, they played Sacramento to a pretty, you know, 
whatever, nil-nil draw. So I think this is kind of a better measuring stick than Orange County and Phoenix. Um, so I'm hopeful, uh, but until they score a goal and prove that we can score a goal, I'm going to go nil-nil. Um, a message to our friends at San Diego Oil. More goals, please. So <laughs> we do some Group B predictions, and Bradley, you can, you're more than welcome to join us on this. Uh, Phoenix and LA already played, but I'm going to go on a limb and say I don't know anyone in mind who picks LA in that matchup. Um, Las Vegas is playing Tacoma right now. Um, Marissa, who do you think wins that match, or what? Who do you think win or draw for which team? Draw. You think it's a draw? Yeah. Bradley, who you who you got in that matchup? Well, I've had that match on my side monitor. Uh oh. Um, well, you guys were having you know your little conversation about <laughs> last week's games. Uh, no worries, I got I'm New Mexico. Out of it. I'm okay. going to stay out of it just out of uh, pure uh, disdain for Las Vegas. Uh, I Fair. refuse to Fair. bring them up, even though I always do in our own podcasts. Fair. <laughs> uh, I have New Mexico uh, Salt Lake, so that's who I have like playing on the side. Um, <sighs> I know Tacoma is like better-ish, um, and Las Vegas has been rough, um, but... I wouldn't be surprised if Las Vegas pulls this one out and gets their first win of the season. So I am picking Las Vegas. Shh. Are you even? Wa- are you getting updates? Because like. No. No. Why? What's the score? Updates? Why? What's the score? It's uh, two nil going into halftime. Oh Vegas. dang! They scored two. two Vegas nil. has somehow managed to put their head on straight for two goals. I mean, they look decent against Orange County. That's why I thought they'd have a like. They put some chances in on Orange County. Um. All right, OCLA. Marissa, who you got? Orange County, Los Angeles. They're playing on the weekend. Oh, Jesus! This is like really bad because I hate both of them. But like, mm-hmm. um, I don't want Los Dos to like be ahead. Like, if if Loyal stays where they're gonna stay, and like OC and and like Phoenix like take the top two spots. My goal is to not finish below LA, like in life, right? Like this is, (laughs) but it's a mantra, right? Do not like always beat LA. So it's always beat LA. So I'm going to go two nil OC. Bradley, you got a prediction on this one? It doesn't involve, it doesn't involve Vegas. No, it doesn't. Um, And the one about Vegas was really more about, I had it live on my side monitor. Fair, I fair. don't want to break that one matchup. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the Orange County versus uh, LA2 game. Yeah, that's an Orange County game. They're winning at least with three goals. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to pick Orange County to win, but I do want to say I would not be surprised if OC dropped points. For some reason, OCLA, like LA gives them a tough time. Uh, I think they didn't they didn't win last year against LA. It was a draw and a loss. Um, but I think Orange County is a little bit more balanced this year. Um, they have some pretty good attacking players. Uh, they're not Michael Seaton focused. Um, and I love me some Michael Seaton. Uh, but I think they've added a, several attacking players and their defense is better. So I think Orange County uh, pulls this one out for sure against LA. Uh, and then the last matchup of the weekend is, um, 
is Phoenix Las Vegas. Is anyone giving LV a chance here? Is anybody? Uh, it's gonna be a massacre. I think like uh, five five nil <laughs> Phoenix. <laughs> I, I I think I think Phoenix puts a couple in and then they just kind of play keep away. Um, how many goal? How, we should predict how many goals Junior Flemings gets in the um, Not oh. goals Phoenix kick gets. The pro- the problem is is like. <laughs> you have so many other players who can score on that team that like Flemings might not score just because like Solo and Santi get a couple goals at the beginning and then they like don't even have to bother starting Flemings. Um, Come on, Flemings can pull a Tatis and just like go for it, like get it. <laughs> put him on as like a 80th minute sub and him just yeah. score a banger in like stoppage yeah. time just because. Yeah, um, I-, I think he can net one in this match. Okay. I think he gets one. Bradley? I think he also gets one, and I'm going with the more modest score of 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll give Vegas one. An even more modest 4-1 to one game. 4-1. to one. It'll be garbage goal, though. Yeah. It'll be like the 83rd minute Vegas, Vegas scores, and it's too little too late. Yeah, like Vegas has Mendiola, and he can put some balls in. But they don't really have a guy like it's like loyal right now. They don't really have that guy who's like the goal scorer. Like they have some guys who can score goals. Um, yeah. And but oof, yeah, they're it's gonna be. But Phoenix is coming off of a, a midweek match, but so is Vegas. Uh, so I think that kind of washes it out. Uh, I, I definitely think Vegas wins. If something else happens, I will dance around the house and. I will talk so much smack about Phoenix dropping points to Vegas. Reverse uh, that. You if, said you said Vegas wins. Oh, it, if Phoenix wins, I'd be it's fine. If they if something different happens, like Vegas gets a point, like I will talk so much trash because Phoenix fans talk so much trash about how terrible Vegas is. So um, I will welcome that. Um, but uh, I yeah, there's. I, I have no doubt that Phoenix is going to take it to Vegas. Marissa, what team is that? This is FC Providence. I won it on Twitter, like during COVID. I mean, nice. for COVID. But uh, uh, yeah, it's FC Providence. Uh, shout out to Jason Rigo. It's like a, I don't know, a 77 little team, but it's a cool jersey. It has like, I don't know, it's cool. Yeah, like little, it got it got like a little. What is that? Like polka dot confetti, but it's not. Yeah, Vegas it's, like, it's like little like confetti. Yeah, it looks nice. And like, oh, it's also camo. Ooh, yeah. little digital camo. <laughs> cloud, like a cloud camo, black. And yeah. that's like perfect for uh, military town, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Louise. By the way, our friend in Sacktown FC. So, um. um yeah, so Chris isn't here because New Mexico is playing right now. They're playing, and it's 1-0 in the 64th minute. Um, probably should have been more, but New Mexico has been, like, kicking the ball over the goal as opposed to into the goal. Um, uh, but he, that's why he is not here. Um, we will welcome him back uh, next time. Um, where we'll can we find – what's that? We'll get the gang all back together next time. Right. <laughs> 
right? Uh, Bradley, where can we find you on social medias? So you can find me. I make little uh, pregame predictions. I'll make one this week uh, and tag you guys in it. But you can find me at Pal in the Sky on Twitter and also on Reddit at the same little name. Whoa, Reddit. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, his at is how Ray knows how to spell his last name. And we had to point that out to him several times. Uh, <laughs> Marissa, where can we find you? You can find me at Instagram and Twitter at hashtag Marissa. And, you know, find me we on do. all the other things. What about you, Alan? You can find me at A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. Um, I'm back to writing recaps for the matches. So check yeah. those out. We'll, we'll push those out. Those are on our website um, that are essentially just a recap website. Um, but the fans said yes, and so we're put. I'm putting those out. Yeah. I do enjoy them, so thank you for I encouraging me. Too. I read them. Yeah, I, I just, it feels good to write again. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting back on the bike, if you will, and working out my finger muscles on typing. So thank you, those who have responded um, and encouraged, and uh, we will see you guys after um, either. A 2-1 victory, a 2-1 loss, or a nil-nil draw. Uh, so uh, everyone have a great night. Thanks for stopping by. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, we stream live. So come join us uh, next time. And we'll uh, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create a kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.